What's up, y'all? This is your boy, Raz Cass, and I'm politicking with my homeboy, Poe, at Poe Politicking, at Self Help Plus Hip Hop. So, what's up, Poe? What up, Dago? What's up, Oceanside? California in the building. We preserving the hip hop culture and introducing the future stars, and obviously, that's Liddy. So, make sure you subscribe to the Homie Poe's podcast, pull up, and tap in. Peace. Welcome back to PoePolitikin.com, your home for self-help meets hip-hop. Make sure you go on Spotify, on Apple Music, Google Play, YouTube. Type in PoePolitikin. This time my interviews since 2008. One, two, one, two, place to be with L. Day Sensei. How you doing, bro? What up, what up? What's good, sir? Chill, man. I even before we even start, let me ask him about that name. I said, it sounds like you might be in the martial arts or something. Well, actually, actually, no. Uh... I'm into a, watching martial arts and oh. growing up, uh, I, I cut hair. So a lot of the cats that I knew would go to the barbershop down the street from my house. So I would walk down there, you know, cause I cut my own hair too. So I go down there and I see them down there and it'd be crowded and they look like, damn, who cut your hair? I said, I did. So they go, you. So I get them to come from there to go to my crib up the, up the street. So while I'm cutting the hair, I'm playing all kind of kung fu movies and a lot of animes. And uh, we happened to be watching one movie and the dude just kept saying, Sensei, Sensei. And the dude was like, yo, man, like when you cut my hair, I could see you sharp with the blade with the uh, on the lineup. So his man was sitting there like, yo, it's like Sensei blade. And then it kind of like stuck. So then uh, my man was saying my rhyme style kind of all over the place as far as like, he said, it's, it's almost like some sword swinging type of shit. So it, it, Elder Sensei became from that, and um, yeah, I, I'm into a lot of anime and, and movies, though. So what kind of um, karate flicks you like? Oh, man, it, it all started for me, like, in the movie theater, like I saw in this 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 uh, documentary I just saw, uh, Five Fingers of Death. And I, went, I was a little kid, wasn't even supposed to be in there. I'm in there with my parents watching this movie, and it went from there, uh, you know, uh, growing, grow, growing up, I think um, you know once they got on Channel Five, we all got to learn the, the whole Five Deadly Venom saga, of the uh, Invincible, uh, the Invincible Ninjas. You had um, the what's the one, the Crippled Avengers, uh, Superpower. Is you know, of course, Bruce Lee movies, but um, you know, I, I grew up to like. A bunch of other stuff that people probably didn't know, and then that's how I got into the anime stuff too. What anime you be watching? Uh, well, anime for me started as a kid. You know, I I remember this one movie called Jesse Dart. I used to have a lot of the, uh, Shogun Warrior toys, uh, where they had these like life size. It was about this high off the ground, but they had wheels on their feet. You could change the arms, put missiles on them. So I grew up with that Speed Racer as a kid, and then you know. People don't realize Transformers was a form of anime because it was a lot of Japanese uh, people working on those cartoons, even G.I. Joe. So it got into Voltron, but then I started, you know, I was always deep into it. And I remember waking up one morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'm looking at Robotech. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it was like half of a Transformer and the legs was coming out. I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? So that's when I went in further. So this was like maybe like 85, 86. So I've been into anime since then to where like, you know, I got into Fist of the North Star, Ninja Scroll, Wicked City, a um, few movies that I grew up watching that's like cult classics today. 
So I try to get a lot of people into it, you know, because it's not about uh, the cartoon aspect of it. For me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist, so I take pointers in, in what I, you know, what I watch. And I, I collected comic books coming up as a kid as well. So I had my, my head heavy into the, into the books and just drawing. I've been drawing since I was five years old. So I've been into it since then. Do you watch the Boondocks? Yeah, I watch that. Even that, that's that's anime right there too. That that whole cartoon, that whole thing is anime. That's what's up. So, so it sounded like you was into art before even the hip hop. What kind of? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I, like I said, since five years old, I've been drawing, drawing. Like, I, I've been, I can draw comic book characters, I can draw people, whatever the case may be. But once I got, once hip hop came into the phone, like as like a ten year old, eleven year old, you see homeboy characters on walls, you don't know what they are. They may be stick figures, but you see that look different from anything else you saw before. So, you know, that's when uh, Curtis Blow came out, Breaks, Super Rhymes, all these songs started to come. And that's when the physical part of hip hop came with being a B-boy. So I'm I'm an acrobat, you know, I, I I used to flip back in the day. So I incorporated all the acrobatic stuff into like learning how to be a b-boy. So it was easy for me to do it. But when you first saw it, you you know we saw a flash dance movie and you saw certain videos on New York Hot Tracks back in the day. I'm showing my age, but you know it is what it is. So you saw videos back then where you see glimpses of dudes doing it on the street, but you had to go to New York. So as a kid, my mother and father took me to the city to go to Washington Square Park and there'd be dudes in there on the cardboard. And, I got out there, did my thing with them, and you learned a lot, you know. And and in Jersey, you know, people didn't think that we had hip hop like that to even do, you know. As far as like, you know, they didn't think graffiti existed in in New Jersey. So once I I uh, got into that, you know, I wasn't doing the rhyme thing, and then so it was like it was a physical aspect of hip hop for me then. So once I got into the art part, I went to New York. We went to the Bronx Zoo. And um, my father, you know, he didn't know nothing about what I was looking at when we was going over there. So just hitting out, that was my first time out of Manhattan. We go to New York, we just in Manhattan, getting on the train. Now we're going to the Bronx. I'm looking at the train like, whoa, what the hell? Wow, like tags everywhere. And my father looking at me like, what the hell wrong with you? So we get off the train and I'm, I'm looking at the subway like, damn, okay, this is New York, but it was grinding. And then like when the, we got off the train, the Door closed, I turned around and I'm looking at the train go by. I'm just looking at all this shit on the train, like, what the fuck? I'm about to do this. And my <laughs> father my father still had no idea what I'm thinking about. But then uh we go outside and like, bro, we get off the train. We in the Bronx. And we walk into the zoo, but this shit looked like war zone. Mm. Like I mean, like no buildings, like buildings torn down, fiends everywhere. I'm just like, damn, this is New York. Look like it's. I'm like, this look like you can't even live here. Mm. But then we we went inside the zoo and did all that, and coming back home, same thing. I'm looking at the train, looking at everything, soaking it in, and got home, same night. Star Wars come on TV, and I'm this like the first time it comes on. It's on PBS channel. And I'm watching this shit. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, you see, it? even K, even K. Slay is in that is in that movie, mm -hmm. that documentary. So, 
see, I'm looking at all the graph that's on this thing now. I'm looking at every every element of hip hop is in this Star Wars movie. So then that next day, I I got my art book and I'm I'm trying. I'm doing everything. I'm learning, and then that's when I got hooked with like. You know, I had one element as far as being a b-boy and I got into the graffiti from there. So at the same time, all this is happening. So, you know, you had a lot of other things that was going on too that contributed to wanting to do it, wanting to do it more. Mm. Yeah, I was saying, um, so they, I saw a Spotify, they was writing in your bio. They said that your group had uh, three elements of hip hop. They said MCN, DJing, and graffiti, but you said mm -hmm. y'all b-boy too. So you gotta go talk yeah. to them to fix it. Yeah, see, Wikipedia always got some shit wrong. They got my birthday <laughs> wrong. They got me in there in like 1974 for my birthday. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. Uh -huh. Like, that's cool. That's cool, but uh, you gotta fix that. So, so what year they wanted me to ask you, how did you, Tame One and Chaos, meet? Well, me and Tame met through a mutual friend that we have, uh, my man Polo Ice. Salute to him. Uh, and my man Jay Byrne. And Jay Byrne knew Tame. It was a crew that, uh, existed before I got in called the Boss Mob. So that was Tame, Mellow Max, Rasta Ra, uh, Jay Byrne, and my man Rhino CMZ pretty much was like the brainchild of all of it, like even through production. Uh, he was like the Molly Maul of, of the crew. So Jay knew I rhymed, um, you know, just from being in school. So he was like, yo, I'm gonna bring you over there you know, let you meet Rhino and get into doing some songs. So I started going over there and um, I knew of Tame through graffiti, you know, mm -hmm. just seeing his name every damn where. I always just saw it just, you know, but then I got in Rhino's crib and he lived in this building that we all knew of called the Colonnades. And I went, and as soon as I got in the room, it was just like graffiti everywhere. And I just saw Tame, 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 Tame. Like, oh shit. So I asked like, yo, he be here? They was like, yeah. I think. They said, yeah, I said, he round too? Like, yeah, you know, he'd be over here too. Um, you know, so I just got into doing my demos. And um, one day I told Ice that I'd go over there and he told me about Tame because he used to hang out with him too. So we all knew each other, but like I said, we just, I didn't know Tame. So one day I'm, I'm doing a song and he shows up at, the, at Rhino Crib. So we meet finally, uh, we, we get to talking and um, immediately we, we do a song. And um, then we just kept doing songs. So, you know, from there, uh, we got into doing more demos and we got the Stretching Bobito show and that's how we got on. And um, Chaos, we met Chaos in like 89. And um, he was actually in a contest that we had did a few times uh, in Newark at this park called Military Park. And he was he had a group that he was in. And he, but me and Tame, we just happened to be walking downtown and we know that this thing is going on, but walking up to the spot, we, to the park, we hear this music playing. We're like, damn, normally it's not always groups that are going there with like a good, you know, song quality and, you know, know what they're doing. These dudes knew what they were doing. And when we got up to them, to the stage, Chaos at this point was doing a routine from uh, Manifest. Gangstar, he's back to uh, chaos. So we, we uh, saw him DJing, he was doing his routine, and we walked up to him like, damn, like, how you learn how to DJ? Because like I said, it ain't too many people in Jersey we knew that did type of shit that we knew they was doing in New York. 
So we got his number. You know, I always kept in contact with him. Um, once we got the deal, I was even contacting him. I would let him hear songs over the phone. Um, then uh, Rock Raider was our DJ before Chaos. So we were sharing Rock Raider with Showbiz and AG. And um, he was in the X-Men at the same time. So it got to a point where, you know, a lot of the cuts you hear on the album, the first album, uh, come on with the get down. Any scratches on the first album, Rock Raider did those. Mm-hmm. Even on the Dy- even on the Dynamite Soul remix. Um, but then like hanging with Raider a lot, I I saw him getting into this DMC shit real serious. So I would go over his crib and Boogie Blind would be there. This one, he was like, you know, protege status. You said you so, said DMC shit. <laughs> yeah, listen. You said DMC shit. <laughs> yeah, I knew. I seen him. You know, when I would be over his crib, and he'd be practicing, and I'm and then Boogie would tell me like, "Yo, he about to really like get into this like now." Like, I'm like, okay. So I seen him practicing the routine for this group home uh, setup he had, and that's when he told me he's like, "Yo, I'm about to try to try out and get in it." And I'm like, "Nigga, you good enough? I know you can win the shit." But like, you know, he was determined. So once he got entered, he said, yo, um, I'm gonna have to start doing this and practicing and I'm gonna have to travel. So we had to get another DJ. So this way chaos come into play. I remember me and Tame was in, I think Texas. We had just did a show. And the next day I was like, you know, I told Tame about Raider and he was like, yo, so what we gonna do? I say, like, look, I'm gonna call chaos. I'm like, let's call him now. So we call him, we wake him up. We're like, yo, what you doing? He's like, nothing. What up? I'm like, no, like, what are you doing, yo? He's like, like, right now? Like, like, no, yeah, period. What you doing? He's like, well, nothing. I said, all right, so you like, you still DJing? Like, you know, for your people? He's like, not right now. What's up? I was like, we need a DJ. And instantly, boom, he that was it. But we told Raider, and Raider was like, yo, I want to meet him. You know, and we was like, meet him. Like, he's like, yo, I want to see who's taking my place. So just so happened, we had a, 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 a this spot we used to go to on Wednesday nights out here called the Pipeline, and we used to go there like just you know have our have our parties, our shows. That's why everybody met up. And Raider and them came there. Him and Sinister came to you know perform and do a little set. And he knew Chaos was going to be there. So this night, I told Chaos what was going on. I was like, Yo, your man want to meet you and kind of like audition. So we had the second album like done. So Raider never heard it. So we got, he came to Jersey before uh, they went and did they set. He was instantly, as soon as he get there, he's like, yo, where your man at? <laughs> we was like, oh shit. So he's like, Chaos met him a few times. So he was like, yo, look, let's let's go in the, uh, let's roll up and get in the van. So we go in there, start rolling up. He throw the CD on. He's like, yo, I want to hear this Raider. I want to hear no talking. Just play the album. Let me hear what he sound like. And maybe like the, by the middle of the record, he's looking at chaos like, we still smoking. By the maybe like one song, this is the way. He got to that song, and Raider was he was like he stopped it. He looked at chaos. He said, "All right, yo, you good? You good?" He said, "I, I, I approve. I approve." I said, "All right, cool." So that that's really like how chaos got in the group. Yeah, I said, how would you? I was saying, I was thinking, how would you want to talk about like the legacy of your group, like especially y'all like coming up in that era. And I think like, even though y'all came in that golden era of hip hop, y'all still had like classic albums that people mm-hmm. still recognize today. Well, I, I'm proud of what me and Tame did 
I won't necessarily say did for ourselves, but did for hip hop. Uh, we got in it initially to give our two cents and show how nice we was from Jersey and, you know, represent. That's all, that's all we was doing. We was also doing the business thing as well, but um, we also knew what, how big of a monster the industry was and how small we were. But in, in that, we knew like, you know, if that's the case, let's just go all out on our accord to say like this is what we wanted to be from the gate. And, um, you know, hopefully people be like, you know, at the end of the day, they did what they wanted to do. The label didn't really bother us too much on what we was doing. It was just so much they didn't know, like, what they had as far as how to market it. Uh, you know, we was up against a, a lot with, with going going from Big B to Atlantic Records because now we joined in with everybody else. So it was like Junior Mafia and you know, Lil' Kim. It was, it was Skills was there for a minute, you know, and it it was just like that label wasn't a hip hop label, say so, like a Def Jam or Loud Records. So, you know, we had people there that was rocking with us and rooting for us and working hard for us, but it, it got to a point where um, it was a lot trying to just keep up with that. So as far as the group was concerned, even even for the label, they knew after what we was doing and what we accomplished and what we stood for at the same time, on a business level, it, for them, it was hard to try to see where they wanted us to go. So, like, legacy-wise, we left a mark with them so much to say with they even know today that they're still selling that product and don't we don't have a bad name attached to being with them. So just as much as we made sure when we was off that label, we had our name to take with us and not be, you know, stuck with that and have to change our name and we just made sure a lot of things we wanted to do when we got off to keep that legacy going even after we was off the label because we, what we what we what we did in a shorter time even if it wasn't a gold record or anything like that we, you know for the history of atlantic records we did good for two records that we did with them just far as like sticking to our guns yeah i'm gonna say like you know like when i was growing up i know like it was harder to get music like I don't from the south, so if I didn't, if I went to the mall, they didn't have your CD. I wasn't gonna get right. it. But nowadays, right. they got you know all these streaming sites. So how would you, how would you think like, would you think your career be different now if you had like streams and all that shit they got now? You think that like artists? Yeah, man, a lot, a lot of shit now would help back then. Like you know, especially with like this whole internet period. Like you know, when you're working off of just like physical. And being, you have to like, like how you say where you was at, we had to physically go to these places mm -hmm. and do a show and do an in-store and meet people and sign autographs and everything like that. Go back home and then like maybe a week later, the label would see, okay, these many record sales happened where y'all was at last week. So even if it would say like, we had 10 sales last week, if we go there, they might see uh, because we was there, people maybe that came or whatever, people that was in the store, you know, after the show, they see that because they see the record sales, but imagine if that was like online too, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of advantages to being online compared to, which is an advantage for me as an artist from back then, where before you just had a damn uh, PO box or whatever to the uh, label and hope that they give you the, the letters and everything like that when you get there, 
Oh yeah, like oh yeah, he could have uh, these letters these fans uh, wrote to y'all, like well, answer them back or something like that. So now it's, it's all in my hands and I can do whatever. So it's a good thing today, even with the streaming. You know, like when you get your publishing that, and and it's, it's, a lot of times I'm gonna tell a lot of artists when you get when you got the letters in the mail, whether if it was from BMI or ASCAP, where they were saying there was a lawsuit going on with say XM Sirius Radio or like. You know, that was real because when you look at, sometimes I look at my publishing and even some people tell me when they be on the plane or um, say like when AirTran was, was was going on in Atlanta, people would tell me like, I heard wrong side of the tracks on the, the airplane thing. I said, but see, that's part of the your publishing because in the streaming where they fought for certain things. So when you get your publishing check and when they these people make adjustments to these things all the time because of the fact that what you just said with the streaming is so many online radio shows, uh, podcast shows, anything that they, you know, uh, when I see the movie High School High, we got a, the ultimate song on there. I don't care. They might, we might not even see it in the, on TV here in America. They might be playing it somewhere, but they track it down and you get, you know, you get your money for that. But it's just with the internet today, and with online streaming, whether it's now like HBO Max or Netflix or whatever, you see, you see it in the breakdown of this how the streaming go to how it go to your publishing. So if you got a, a and I'm, I know I'm going crazy, but if you got a publishing deal or anything like that on BMI, you want to make sure that whoever that person is that's working your account, they show you the new breakdowns of how this shit is different. Because I, I I have my man do that for me. And he told me, like, oh, it's different now when you look at the streaming shit. So I got to adjust the rates to your songs because of how many streams are going on. You got to, you know, and when your paperwork on point, you'll see the difference and all of that with the streaming. Mm. And they wanted me to ask you about some of your touring stories. Like, who did you first mm. go on tour with when you when y'all you, got on? Mm. Okay, well, first tour... I wasn't even say tour, but when we went to Cali, uh, the label asked us like, where y'all want to go first to do y'all promo tour? So we was like, well, shit, we from the East Coast, so we didn't want to stay home. Um. So like, <laughs> let's go to let's let's go out west. So that was like crazy because we never been to California. I never been on a plane even at that point. So this '94, and um, only thing we knew about Cali was movies and gangs and colors and. I'm like, damn, I can't wear none of this right here. None of this, <laughs> none of that low shit. I, I made sure not to pack so much stuff, but my man's like, you all right, bro. They, they are not looking at you like you on some gang shit. So trust me, you all right. So, and I was, I brought all that stuff out there. And um, we we did a, a, a retail rep run for, you know, Warner Brothers and how they had the labels uh, with Razzcast when he first even started. So we did a run with him. We did a, lot, a few shows with him, radio runs. Um, but like that was a tour, more or less. Right there, though. Yeah, man. Like we we did. I would say we did. A, um, they at one point, Cali had this thing called Unity. The Unity shows. My man, Bigger B, he was the first dude to book artifacts in California. So, and these these shows he did was famous. He booked us a few times, even with even with Wu Tang. I I could tell you that 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 show was nuts. Uh, oh, man, it was so crowded in this building. Dirty came out on stage. I never forget it. We was me and Tame Chaos were sitting in the rafters. We waiting for it to happen. 
and he came out there with a Tommy Hilfiger like, bathrobe on, everything with Tommy Hill. He had the hat on, some underwear on it. He had flip-flops on, socks. He was like, I just got out the hospital. Y'all don't even know I had gonorrhea. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Everybody in the crowd was bugging. I was like, yo, and he went out and beat just started. He just started rocking, and we was just like, damn. So, like, stuff like that, we never, you know, and that was, I think, like, maybe, like, 96 at that time. But, like, 94, when we first went there, we did a show with uh, uh, Hyro. Uh, I think Tajay was there, and A-plus was there. Um, you know, Tash was there. You know, we didn't know, you know, how the people was going to be there, but to to be out there for the first time and get that much love as we did, not knowing how it was going to be for us, you know, coming from Jersey, East Coast dudes, it, we fit right in. And it was wild, man. We met a lot of people, but, like, we was out there for, like, maybe three weeks. And that prepped us for, like, a lot of things early to where we started going to, like, Europe, we went to Europe in like 96 and that I got the first show we did was in Copenhagen. I lost my damn passport the same night doing sound check. We in the sound check doing in the club. I'm doing fucking head spins and head spins and back spins. I'm doing windmills, just bugging. And then we got to the hotel and we was with a, um, um, a few people, man. And it was like, I got to the hotel looking for my shit, like, oh my God, we, I ain't want to tell nobody. I'm just looking all around for it, and I was like, I think I dropped my shit in the club. Maybe somebody picked it up that worked there. Ain't nobody say nothing, but I was so scared. I, I told, I think Stretch was with us. I said, yo, man, I lost my passport, yo. I said, what you mean you lost your passport? I said, in the club, I'm doing the head spin. I got, I got a new passport. The next day, they were like, don't worry, you get a new one. I was like, really? And I was scared to death. Didn't think I was going to get back home. Oh. <laughs> so ne next day we go to the embassy. They see me in there. They come walking in. Oh, where? And it was like the nicest thing ever. Lady in there. Oh, you lost your passport, baby. Come here. We're going to get you a new one. Where you on? I unfortunately had my birth certificate. Took that. Got me a new one. We back back on the road. I said, all right, cool. So that was a, like 95, 94. We had to go to Fat Beach. That's when they had a Fat Beach in Amsterdam. Mm. And that's, you know, that was crazy. That was nice. Like, eye opening thing for the first time to see going over there too like seeing all these different people that you didn't think knew your song even speak the language and we was rocking autumn shows and then even now man it's like you know that's the one thing that bugged me out about touring you go to some of these places and you watch these people while you on stage and they know the words to the song and as soon as you get down on the floor and start talking they just like oh, oh, oh. they start speaking french and swedish and i'm like oh shit. I'm like, yo, I thought you could, you know, I thought you spoke English because you, like, yeah, I know words, but not like English talking. I'm like, ah, that's wow. Damn, that's crazy. So what's the, what do you think the difference is in the, the hip hop in the U.S. versus the Europe? I get that question a lot. Uh, the difference for me now compared to when I would say, when people ask me, like, do they appreciate it more? It's not so much that. It's just that they still practice the laws of what we don't do here no more. Mm. Like, just it's just in the same as when you go to Japan. Like, these dudes still dress like we did in the 90s. Uh, not say so much, like, the whole look of it, but, like, still with the dope sneakers and baggy jeans. And, and they looking at me, like, I'm looking at them, like, damn. They, they ask me, they go, why New York changed? Why East Coast changed? I say, well, you know, I, I can't answer that totally, but I can, but it's going to be a long-ass answer. But I would just say that, you know, they still practice in what what make hip hop what it is. 
So like, you know, you go to shows, you more liable to hear more underground hip hop at these shows than you will hear the radio shit that we play on the regular when you go to the club where we really, I won't even go to. So I know going over there when I go on tour, I'm gonna really enjoy myself because I know us being at these shows, we elders now, but they're even, it's still the same. Like they're still gonna play underground music. The DJ's gonna play 90s music. They're gonna stay all the way up to the new music of today, but it's still gonna sound like un the, un the shit that I would listen to normally, but even if it's a new or old cat. So it's just, um, they, they, they are still active in doing it. And, and them having access to the same tools that we have to say recording, it's just, they're showing their influence more when they do their music. And, and producers are more liable to get out a, a US artist rather than say work with their own artists at home because they want the same record that they play when they're at the club, when they're DJing. They want that, you know, and so as them being a producer and maybe a DJ that play at a club, if they able to play their own records to people that's there, that's in the spot, it's to them like a, a credit with to say like, look, I'm working with American artists that I grew up listening to, and it's new music, mm. say for me, for me. So you know the game over in Europe got even has gotten even deeper because of that. So you see a lot of producers and DJs you maybe never even heard of before, and you see they track list, you see mad artists that you know of, like, oh damn, how you, but it's cause, and that's cause of the internet. Mm. And that's that, and that's the bridge that we crossed going back and forth overseas for all these years. We're spawning dudes that grew up there. Fortunately, we still doing it for them to work with us, but they, we've, we've spawned that over the years going back and forth. Just the same if you look at Japan, uh, a lot of dancers I know that been in videos, whether it's my man Stretch, uh, France, low, you know, there's a lot of dudes that go back and forth. Marquess, these dudes go back and forth to to Europe and Japan, and you see these these cats in school in these schools. They teaching in schools, dance schools, mm. and you see these crowds watching these dudes move because they got to show them this is how we used to do it. This is today, and these dudes are doing moves that they did back in the day in these videos and dancing in the clubs. They teaching them how to do this now. This now 2020, so you know. The influence is there. It's just that it's more now that they're, they're, they're like, it's like, like how you look at the NBA with like how the, the Europeans, you know, when they came in, it was just mm -hmm. shoot, 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 jump, jump, jump. Now they come in there super nice because they done grew up watching all the and one tapes out there. They participate in basketball functions out there with like artists do, basketball players go out there and they wind up playing in the Europe leagues and they show them how they play. It is it, it's, it's giving is it's like the same. So what's your opinion of the state of hip hop right now? Like in the US? Uh it's not like how it was before. Like, you know, when we had songs like I used to love her with Common. Um you had certain songs where you felt like you it was an enemy, a system, industry system. We was holding the underground music back and only mainstream. And today is nothing like that today. Um, especially my age group. It's for me personally to see all of what's happening right now compared to how we was coming up. I don't feel anything like how I felt when I was like 
when we was making records and say, I mean, I guess if we were in it so much where you, you know, you were trying to stay alive. But today is like, it's kind of comical. You know, when you look at how, how this shit is, like, it's changing a little bit because a lot of like social things are happening right now. So I don't think a lot of people want to hear certain, some of these dudes songs where they, you know, talking about a bunch of nothing is a lot of change got to happen with that. And fortunately, it, I think it probably will because it takes people to wake up to understand that these dudes is getting bred. I ain't got nothing against that, but uh, they'll never have a, a versus like how we have today where these artists that we grew up listening to can do this. They can't have a throwback night with these records that they're making today where they get the same feeling when we hear, say, the Eric B and Rakim record or a Public Enemy record when we in the club or just hearing it, period. You know, so it's like, I don't think about, I feel bad for them now because they have no, it's, it's just like no substance. Like, you know, my son is 17 now and I may, I try to make him watch a lot of these hip hop documentaries on on, on Netflix or any anything online especially on YouTube to let him understand that, you know, he get it, you know, he, he don't listen to nothing new. You know, he, he listening to rage and <laughs> all the stuff I would listen to, you know, but it's just like, he understands why and why, but then he don't understand why it changed. Like why it had to be the way it is today. If it was like this, then I said, well, there's a lot of not caring, but there's also a lot of not teaching. And there's a lot of, Cats that never wanted to learn. So, like, when you when you hear a new cat go up on a radio show and tell the DJ like, "Yo, I don't want to hit rock off no overhead beat," already from there, you know he wasn't. He ain't been taught. Yeah. He ain't been taught in the sciences of the, the hip hop knowledge for him to even say that. It's blasphemy. Like, you know, <laughs> you just like, damn, you ain't even trying to even give it a chance because they feel like, oh, now you asking me to rap. Like, hey, I, I man, I don't do that rap. I do this kind of rap. But, like, yeah, you know, what, what, what is, yeah, like, what is, what is that you saying now? Anyway, if you rap, you rap. If you, it's just, if it's your style that you choose to do, I, that's, that's you. But there's a lot of dudes that care that, you know, today where what we did and applied to our music, they don't do that today. It's not no craftsmanship. There's no showmanship. There's no vocabulary. There is no no imagination in your thoughts and your words. So there's none of that where you leave feeling like how if you heard a KRS-One, you must learn. And at the same time, you can listen to Cool G-Rap, Streets of New York. You know G-Rap is G-Rap, but he giving you a message in these songs too to say like you can choose to do this or and be like me or not. So today, you got these dudes ain't, this generation will never have a, uh, Stop the violence song or uh, self destruction song. Well, These kids today. I would say my whole, I already know we kind of in trouble a little bit because I'd be like, man, they still be talking about Pac too much. So I'd be like, we haven't had right. no since Pac. So that's how you know it's sad. You ain't heard no, when Pac was like 90, 96. Right. Yeah. They glorify him. These little dudes glorify him, but they won't. I'm like, yo, you know how, how this dude, for us to know him, he was like, y'all don't even know half of what this dude was like. But y'all to think that. Y'all want to be like that? You have y'all even built like that, like even a little bit. So, you know, it, it's, 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 it's crazy to know that 
the direction that they're going, like we have to keep making documentaries for them to understand like where it comes from. And 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 even put into simply in the simplest form where you gotta show it in cartoon and animated, you know, and to make it look good for them to just even stick to watching it to get into it. So, you know, it, it's but it's cats out there that's that's competing with that kind of energy to to you know bring it back is like what Griselda did in the last four or five years, kind of like you know, I always say like even with Fifty, he's the Fifty is the last. I, I call I always call him the New York bully dude because for some reason you need that. That's that's what New York hip hop <laughs> is about. You know I mean, like you need uh, somebody that's gonna talk shit to you and bully you around, but then when you listen to his music, it still sound it sounds like yo, he sounds like he's from New York. Like it's no it's no question about it. So. You know, if, if if more dudes practice that here on our side of on on our side of the, of the uh, America, we we could probably get it back to a certain way. But I think with online that helps too because it's not gonna be like the radio how it used to be where you hear a variety of shit. So you got online radio for that, and and it's a lot of stations to listen to and choose from. Anytime people be like, you only know where that real shit at, the boy. Well, I always nigga all online, bro. We uh-huh. funk radio is all over the place. It's like you know, so much, you know, everybody's still that, even, even my man, Ron G is still on the radio, uh, playing music on online. So if you even want that type of shit to listen to, so, you know, it's there. Yeah, I was gonna say, cause I, I know with my show, like um, I preserve the hip hop culture, but then I'm trying to introduce the new people. So mm-hmm. what are some ways you think we can preserve the culture? Cause are you talking now? So imagine how it's gonna be 30 years from now. If you talk yeah, about that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, I already know what it's gonna be. I was like, man, I think it, 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 I don't know how I don't know what they're gonna be talking like then. Like it might be a whole nother like digital language. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it even it's like I saw somebody put up a post where they I think it was uh Vince Carter. And oh damn it, I can't remember the other person. It's like maybe like two players left in the NBA that's still from the night that got drafted in the nineties. Yeah, well Vince and, Carter gone now, he retired. Yeah, but Eight I mean like at the, right. So when you look at when you think about that, as like, even when you think about football, like how when you watched uh Peyton Manning go and like certain dudes about Drew Brees probably about to go soon. All these dudes go that you grew up watching just balling out. It's like damn, like who gonna take their place? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's when you start thinking about your team. Like, damn, who gonna, who gonna? That's when you start paying attention to other shit, like the draft, and the combine. <laughs> like, all right, so that's how it is with hip hop too. It's like you looking at the torch being passed, and it's like you you have hope when you see dudes like Kendrick and J Cole, far as like Joey Badass, you know, Griselda. When you see these dudes like that, you be like, worry, there's hope, there's hope. So when you when you look at the fans that follow them. They are, they, you know, is you got all different levels of, you know, even I like Scott Zoo, I like Torrey. When you look at these dudes, these dudes sound like how we sound when we came up. Uh, there's a lot of dudes like that in the industry right now. And 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 when I say industry, I say, and even if it be online or, or if it be, you know, like that, it's still, they're still artists. Yeah, we got even a shout out not, to Scott I think Scott Zoo had surgery on his throat. Yes, 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 no doubt. Shout out to him, yo. Hey, listen, my man works hard. And um, you know, I want if he anybody that know him, just tell him I said stay good, stay up, and um, you know, take your time coming back. You got enough music out there for everybody to uh, check out, and I'll plug one for you. You know what I'm saying? 
Retropolitan album. I still play that record, even it's from last November. That record for me, uh, I told Pete, man, I, I, it did something for me, like how it gave me from all his, like say, Soul Survivor album. So I, I was I was happy he got to work with him. Because when you follow artists and dudes like that, and you see their path and how they became to where they at right now, you 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 salute them because my man works hard. He been, he been on Freestyle Fridays to making records, and a lot of dudes don't get to do that. Mm. And then I would say, what's your current project you working on right now? Well, then I mean, right now, okay, immediately I can say um, we just recently finished uh, recording and putting together the art new Artifacts album with Buckwild, D-I-T-C. Mm. Yes, sir. We got 10 joints. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to say too many guests right now. Uh, it's not a lot, but we got like maybe two or three uh, that y'all can check out on there. Um, Buck did all the tracks. Um, you know, I got a couple of other projects I'm working on. Uh, my boy Jake Palumbo, we got an album called Solving Cases. That's coming out soon. Excuse me, we wrapping that up. Um, I got an album with my producer by the name of Tony Galvin. He's out in Atlanta. He's from Miami. Um, we got an album coming out soon, and I got a bunch of people that's on there, new and uh, from our era, my era, uh, so to say. Um, a lot of stuff, man. Uh, I got a, a project with my, my man from Jersey, Big Joker. We got an album coming soon. We're working on that, about to start mixing. And, um, you know, I'm just uh, selling my merch on, on online. And that's right now the most I'm doing because without doing these tours and traveling, there's no getting that bread. So I'm just, you know, always on some other kind of thing. So the merch is where it's at right now. So if y'all follow me, you can follow on my Instagram page. On the top of the page, I tell everybody you can see in the bio, there's a link there, chilloproductions.com slash Elder Sensei, where you can go on there and buy anything you want. You can order there. Uh, I'll see everything in the email once you order. Um, all, all, you can go in the bio, you see all the music. Uh, you can buy me and Sadat's album digitally on there. Any artifact music, even my solo projects, the, all the links are there as far as for Apple, the title, with it's all there. So I'm mostly doing that. So you know, music is the is the key right now until we get to go outside. So, you know, I've been trying to tell all my friends that, like, y'all should be able to come up with the dopest albums of life right now. Oh. With all this time. <laughs> with all this time we got on our hands. So, you know, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying who so who made the logo for, uh, for the art, artifact? Uh this dude by the name of Dante. Um Dante used to, he did a lot of other logos. He did Cypress Hill logos, um all all the albums up to the Black Sunday, mm. uh, he, he had a, a clothing line called Third Rail. I don't know if people remember that. Third Rail was a company out of California, and he made a company called Pawn Shop Press, and they would like more or less do graphic arts. And, and, and then he stopped doing all of that, and I just recently found out this guy was, you know, was making movies, independent movies and shit I've seen. So, uh, yeah, he, he if, if you look up Pawn Shop Press online, you might see information on him. Or you look at third rail clothing, you might see some information on him. But he had, you know, when I, and if you had any of those those hats or t-shirts, if you look at the third rail logo, you might see it online. It looks similar to the artifacts logo, and that's where it came. From. Yeah, you got a lot of like, especially new artists. They don't, they still don't be trying to get no merch and then Why is merch? Nah, man, nah. You know, that's that's crazy because like when you go to shows, and that's how I learn. I mean, I always try to have merch, but 
when you go to them shows and you don't have merch, that shit hurt because it's like that's a whole nother They be wanting to buy your shit. That's why I be trying to yeah, tell them. Listen, like they'll buy anything really if they really support you. You can sell a fucking lighter with your name on it and they'll buy yeah, it. Yeah, and, and why not? Why not? That's just supporting the brand. And like I was in Japan and I I ain't had no more small shirts, medium shirts. I had like extra large and double X. Them little dudes in there like, Yo, give me that two X right there. Ag Ag was with me too. Ag like, yo, they actually buying the big sizes. I like, dude, they do not care. Like, you understand that? They ain't gonna wear it anyway. This is collectible. I mean, boy, I've had, I even had that happen to me, boy. It'd be like the last couple of shirts left, and the dude just be looking at the table. No, he can't fit the shirt. Be like, yo, you know what? Just give it to me anyway. I'm gonna put shit in the frame or whatever. Just, I just want to take it with me. I was like, hey, hey, or you can just wait till you get home and order online, bro. You do the same thing. So is this? Really about like if you care about your brand, if you care about people knowing about who you are, and, and, and like you said, your legacy. And if you popping, you should have merch. And and if you, Susie Orman said, if you've done something in your life, whether if you was a public figure and somebody knew who you were, you should be able to for anything you do get a thousand dollars to pop every time you do something or close to it. I was like, damn, I was like, that's you know. But you have to have that in your mind that you can do it and you want it, you can get it. Mm. And then I was saying, you was, I was thinking about something. Uh, so what you think about like the groups after like you, y'all the duos. So what you think about like the little brothers and the outcasts that came after y'all? I think I can see a lot of little brother. Now when I think about it, I see a lot of, a lot of y'all and little brother a little bit. I don't know if you know. I mean, I, mean, I, I would think that um, for me, like when you look at duos, and I think about like duos like EPMD because that's that's who me and Tame that's kind of where like where we get our thing from. And I think also you know a little bit of Run DMC. You know what I'm saying? Like so like duos like that make me think about like uh, say like De La Soul, where like when you hear dudes rocking and the chemistry is so crazy, like. Styles P and Jadakiss, they have chemistry like that. Where like when I hear these dudes do songs, they 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 ain't even it's line for line. It's not even like four bars, eight bars, and the next dude coming in, it's line for line. I'm like, uh, I like that. I, I like that. I like that. And, and I think, like I said, Smith and Weston. I think like, you know, even with Black Moon with Five Foot and Black and and, and and Buckshot, you know, I think about even with Outcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, but when you think about Outkast, I think about hieroglyphics, and I think about Bone Thugs, and I think about all we were all influenced by somebody com coming up. But it's just a, that a duo to me is when you're like this, like, and that's even what me and Tame got. Like when we, when when we play off each other or we feed off each other because we know you know we know each other. So it's just like when you see you see something happen, even when we write songs. I'm like, I gotta always be on my toes when I'm doing songs with him. So I'm I'm like, I gotta like not I can't say nothing garbage. I can't write I mean, and so that but that makes you better. And even E double told us a story about him and Parrish, how they came up, how him being with him actually made him a better MC as well. So that's what you get out of being in a duo. You get the partnership, you get the 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 buddy cop movie thing, you know, good cop, bad cop. Me and Tame is like yin and yang. It's almost like sometimes I, I would even say, uh, and my man, my man said this to me, but I had already said it. Like 
if, if me and Tame had to do like be a TV show, and our music was like that, it would be like the Odd Couple. And if if people know us, they can see that. Like even with us, period. Even even our music. I'm Felix Unger. He's Oscar Mattis. Tame is straightforward. Ba 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 ba. What's up? All right, we're doing it. I'm more pragmatic, crafty, but with yin and yang and opposite the track make for great things because he do he's he's in, in our music he's doing things i'm not doing and just the same as i'm doing something he's not doing but when you mix that shit together it all comes that chemistry and it makes people that's not like him or me get together as well so it's a whole it's a different blend of, of people that's listening to us yeah, and I remember the first time I, when I interviewed him, like I said, I want to say it was around 2008, 9, 10 period. But I remember mm-hmm. y'all, want, he said, y'all weren't working together again. So what made y'all right. like put another, like get them back together and put some more music out? Shit, when we was uh, in, in Jersey at uh, this Lincoln Park Festival, uh, Rocksteady anniversary, they was there. And um, I was performing this year by myself. And um, <laughs> do it all. From Lord to the underground, like this, this home, and we all, we was all there. He came up to me. He said, "Yo, tame here." I said, "Oh, word, okay." So um, I, was, I didn't see him. So I'm about to get on stage. They got the music. Um, me and Chaos is up, up up on stage, and we, you know, we get into a couple of songs. And out of nowhere, I, I see, and my phone was blowing up too. So I, I'm looking at my phone, but I'm still trying to perform. I see people like, "Yo, tame," and I saw one post, one text like he about to come to the stage and then do it all comes to me like yo i'm bringing him to the stage yo i don't care i'm like yo I'm, i wasn't really saying nothing and he came up on stage and and there's a picture online i can i can you know it's still there you can find it easy where tame got his foot up on the speaker and i'm standing next to him and we both reach, sticking, reaching our hand out to shake each other's hand and I'm gonna just say that that day, New New Jersey was on fire because it was like everybody knew that we wasn't, you know, together like that. So when we did that, I mean, it was like when we when we touched hands, it was like one to twins activate, and then there was like <laughs> wave a wave power just went across the whole park, and everybody was screaming and shit. I was like, oh my god, like yo. But that's when you realize what what you've done as a group affects everybody, and and we home. So everybody was in the park. We knew in the park. So everybody, you know, watching him walk around the park while they see me up on stage, and, and that's when I think everybody just you know what, that's it, yo, that's it. Y'all not doing this no more. And do it all took it upon himself to put that together. And he brought Tame on stage. So if you want to thank anybody for sparking that up, you can think do it all from Lords of the Underground because. He 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 really got tame up on that stage that day. So from that point on, though, we didn't look back. I would say, um, you know, we did a few more after that in the park. Uh, 2012, we went on a, a world tour, um, and went. That was that was nuts. You know, for the first time, a lot of people seeing us live after they saw. You know, a lot of people never seen us ever before on stage. So you know, since then, we've been rocking out. You know, on on every on tour, doing music, we got singles, features, and up to this point, you know, we uh, put out a demo album on Smoke On Records from the songs we did back in the '90s, 
and we put out a reissue of That's Them secretly as well. And now we're putting out the first official, official album, com like compiled of many songs, finally now. So I, I forget, but what's y'all connection to Redman? Because every time I read y'all bios, I see they say Redman. Yeah, well, Red uh, is like us. You know, he uh, a Jersey MC who got plucked out of Jersey and, and got put into the to the game on skill alone, like just getting on stage with uh, Eric uh, Eric and Parrish at Club Sensations in Jersey, and my man just that was his ticket. And um, we used to uh, go like I met Red on a bus, like going coming from Montclair State College. And I was I was coming, I was up there applying for a job and he was in school. And we was going down the hill, as we say, from up there. And um, I looked at him like, I said, yo, you look familiar. And uh, he said the same thing to me. Just so happened, I knew somebody he knew. And um, we was we rode on the bus and uh, he didn't live too far from me. So I went to his, into his crib. So, um, my man had like turntables and shit and you know i was like okay like so you're a dj he said yeah he said he's cutting i'm like damn this dude nice and then he puts he grabbed the mic he started spitting i was like what i was like uh uh you don't need to be djing bro you need i think you need to rap you need to be rhyming with somebody doing something like that like, you super nice so you know me him and tame all got together and that was just like, you know, we would spend like hours just freestyling. We just had tapes and um, of us just be in, in Red's basement. We had a 7.6 Digitech sampling machine and it was hooked up to a foot pedal for like a, a, a maybe like a guitar or something like that. I don't know how we did that, but <laughs> we had to, we, we had to stump, we had to stomp on that to instead of, pressing the button on the Digitech, we had to stomp on the pedal to uh, get it to loop. And after a while, we stopped doing that. And we had this thing. If you ever talk to Redman, ask him about this pedal. If you know anybody that know him, baby, he only gonna know. But this, we had the pedal in our hand. And whenever he, we had to do a loop. So if that's, that 7.6 Digitech, when it gets to the certain point, you gotta hit that, that pedal loop it to go back around again it would be this would be the vision i would of him he'd be and he had the straight hard head nod too he'd be like this then he'd be, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so he hit the, so after a while when we would not be in the studio or not somewhere recording it was by habit we would all do it because we had that pedal so much we'd be out we'd be at a club somewhere <laughs> not, not even notice. Mm, that's that. That's that right there. And, then, and my man was like, "Yo, what is that you doing, yo?" I'm like, what? He's like, "This, this thing." So, oh, yeah, don't mind me. That's the pedal, pedal action, bro. Uh -huh. So like, we we used to have fun. We we watched uh, the first Rap Masters, Rap Mania rather, uh, show they had back in the day. We watched that at Red Strip. So that's how deep we go. And to see him doing what he's doing, like far as like even for us still. Is a, is a, it's just we still proud, you know what I'm saying? So once we got our deal, and um we was able to do that, uh, Red knew we got the deal. He saw me on the street just riding by, and he was like, "Yo, L, get in the car, get in the car." He said, "Yo, I got a, I got a beat for y'all." 
Like word, and it's the beat that you hear on our album on coming through your block. Mm. And I was in the Land Cruiser, and he had that shit playing loud. I was like, "Yo, give me the tape." And I went to Tame's house and played it for him. And he was like, "All right, we did." And that's how he got a production on the album, along with Rockwaller. So that we met him at that, that night as well when we did the song. What is Rap Mania? Rap Mania was a was the first pay per view uh, hip hop concert ever. Where mm -hmm. like this was maybe ninety ninety one, damn, maybe around that time. So uh, this show was uh, Slick Rig, Big Daddy Kane, like LL. It was it was crazy. LL had a big ass radio on the stage. He came walking up out of that. That was not. That's when dudes had props on stage. Niggas don't do that no more either. So you know, if you get a chance, you can go on YouTube and, and look that up. You can see the shows up there. And that was like, uh, like just able to be like to sit home to see a concert like that and not be a, a boxing match. That was different. That's crazy. You remember how we, we really had to, we really had to. Damn, I think it was a, actually, I think it was like fifty, seventy dollars, something like that. Damn, back then, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yo, you gotta think, it was a lot of dudes. It was like, it was like a big concert, like two hours. Check it out. It all the all the major every rap star was on this show, so mm -hmm. it was crazy. That was a crazy thing, and this was like in one building, and it was a crowd there. So, but you never really they never showed the crowd that much, but it was like you was in the crowd too watching them on stage. So it was weird. All right, man. I want to say thanks for coming through. Paul, take it with me. No doubt, brother. Thanks for having me. Hey, Elder Sensei, artifacts is coming soon. Shout out to Tame One, R.I.P. DJ Chaos. I thank y'all for watching. Yeah, we're gonna have to get another interview soon. I feel like we could have kept going. Oh yeah, oh yeah. What's your social media again? Uh Sensei from NJ on uh, IG. That's S-E-N-S-E-I from NJ. And you can catch me on Facebook with my government, El Elliot Elder Sensei Williams. And I'm on Twitter, uh, just uh, Elder Sensei on that, E-L-D-A-S-E-N-S-E-I. Malice for balancing our practices Attractive analysts Expanded more than just a panelist All biz handling Channel like cable circuitry Spray superbly And operate like major surgery How we do it is not With future musically Do it for the sport And the money is tied mutually Off the wall Off the cuff Off niggas talking up Sharp enough Talk tough Stripes earn Calling bluffs You know the feeling Like we do when it's imperative Emergency to get it clean And representative Clever wording to fuck up your mind mentally Psychotic, neurotic, and product shot at infantries The way we do it, the cherish is long after At the crossroads and no control to disaster Come on, the first half, plane tickets, itinerary The money may vary, you roll the pounds You rest rounds, then we off the ground Get your passport right, land that first line
personnel. Yo, we gon' keep it moving with your brand. Whether DJ or band, we gon' stand. We gon' stand, y'all. Come on. Your caseload is about to explode. And the weather's been an ongoing hurricane snowing. Yeah, it's adventurous. Pass adventurous. That's why we need to turn the phone to OFF. Touch you down there. Heard this on the say you This release mission straight to the good. My check. I got a studio session. I'm making a record. I should have been there. Put my hand on the globe. I've been where? Wake up in the foreign time zone. I travel light. Just me. me, On me and the DJ. Burning air. In the earning gear. I'm a fuck for you. Get a little buck with you. Get a little short. Watch a little sports. Catch tours. Festivals. Everything moving. Shit continue to defend you. All forming in the one. Landing in the center. Do the same shit the next day. Get the first half. Plane tickets. Itinerary. The money may vary. You roll the pounds. You rest rounds. Then we off the ground. Get your passport right. Land that first light. What you know about the next time zone? We've been on our own. XNL. Yo, we go. We keep it moving. We your brand. Whether DJ or band. We gon' stand. We gon' stand, y'all. Come on. These times we living and keep me driven and mindful. Cutthroat industry. Niggas built for survival. Slideshow, live pros, out of town, proper sound revival. Crowned us most reliable. Can't deal with everybody the same way. Some on their game day. Some run through the motions. Play with my emotions. Travel across the oceans. Set on hood benches. My thirst never quits. Not just a new collaboration, not like any other. Years invested like Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Discovered through passions and passion for a better purpose. Event service and first to make your rapper I'm home, but I'm always on the I'm on the world tour with L, my man. If it's bread on the table, then we'll hit Iran. You can never judge our lifespan. Bricks to push with. Come on, the first half. Plane tickets, itinerary. The money may vary. You roll the pounds. You rest rounds. Then we off the ground. Get your passport right. Land that first light. What you know about the next time zone? We've been on our own. XNL. Yo, we go. We keep it moving. We your brand. Whether DJ or band, we gon' stand. We gon' stand, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pole Politicking. Like I said, this is Self Help Meets Hip Hop. Try to interview the artists or whoever I'm interviewing. Just try to get a little bit more than just the music or just entertainment. Try to get some, some stuff that you can use in your life that they're saying. And this is, uh, like they say, I got it out the mud. So, 2008 we started it and been doing it this whole time. So, I appreciate all the listeners we have. All my loyal listeners that stay, stay down and listen to every episode. And so, if you want to be a guest, make sure you got some fox. I want some heat. But you can contact me at polepoliticking at gmail.com. Yeah, if you want to be a guest, hit me up. And also, make sure you check out the store. We sell merch. Rapper. T-shirts.com, rappertshirts.com. So I got the pole politics merch on there. Got rapper t-shirts, got men's fashion, women's fashion, got cool stuff on there. Anybody, you know, you want to make donations, you just like what you hear, you like, it's cool, I want to support this, keep going, because you know, it takes money to build this and keep growing it. It's a uh, cash app, dollar sign pole politics, and that's P-O-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-K-I-N. I appreciate that, or PayPal, Demo, it's always pole politics. 
And we're also looking for sponsors. So if you have a book, you have an album you're about to come out with, you're a record label, you're a magazine, anybody that has something they're trying to promote, let me know. You can email me at popolitikin at gmail. And we can work something out, work out a deal. But yeah, I'm looking for sponsors. So hit me up. And I appreciate all the support. And I'll see you next episode. Popolitikin.com